right, let's get into it. Happy Monday. It is Monday, September 18th. On the back half of a Calgary Flames game day, the Calgary Flames prospects ending the Young Stars Classic on a positive note. Early morning matchup against the Winnipeg Jets. 4-2 the final for your Calgary Flames. And next up, fitness testing and training camp at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Here with my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, we'll chat some Calgary Flames hockey in just moments. Final reactions from the Young Stars Classic wrapping up in Penticton today. Standouts who did themselves a favor heading into training camp with the Calgary Flames. We'll also hear part of a conversation that Pat Steinberg had with Craig Conroy in Penticton. Hear post-game from Wranglers head coach Trent Cull. And one of the most recent draft picks from the Calgary Flames, Jaden Lipinski. All of that coming up in just moments. We'll also react to another busy NFL Sunday. Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca is going to join us. She's going to be a Monday regular on the program going forward to bring you NFL coverage here on Sportsnet today. So looking forward to chatting with Emily this hour. Plus, Craig Murs is going to join us. Blue Jackets writer for NHL.com. What a weekend for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mike Babcock officially resigns as their head coach. They have a new head coach. They spoke to the media today. Yarmo Kekalainen, Pascal Vincent, John Davidson, all speaking to the media today as uh, the fallout from this investigation from the NHL. The NHLPA resulted in Mike Babcock stepping down. So we'll talk to Craig about what's next for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then a little bit later on, we'll hear from uh, some of those people that I mentioned in the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Plus, an off day for the Toronto Blue Jays following a successful weekend series against the Boston Red Sox, which continues to lead an up-and-down season for the Blue Jays. One minute they're out of it, the next minute they're right back in it. And a couple key series now left with AL East opponents in the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees coming up. We'll talk a little bit of Blue Jays baseball on the program as well. But let's flash you back to earlier this morning. The Calgary Flames ending things off in Penticton on a high note with a 4-2 win over the Jets. Stromgren walks in and scores right off the faceoff. The win by Jaden Lipinski and it's William Stromgren walking into the middle and making it a 1-0 lead for the Calgary Flames. Kuznetsov winds and fires. There's Millich to the rebound and it's Jaden Lipinski who tucks it home. Restoring the Flames' one-goal lead. They got control back in the zone again, and it's Karens to Klapka right on cue. Adam Klapka has his second of the Young Stars Classic on a perfect pass from Rory Karens' back door. Honzik is back to help and intercepts the pass. Stromgren, 147 to play, and he's got an empty net and finds it. DiVincentis had just got to the bench. Stromgren looked up with the pile of ice in front of him and found the wide open net 
for his second of the game and some insurance for the Calgary Flames. Brendan Parker from Calgary Flames TV on the call. You heard it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan a little bit earlier today, Flames 4, Jets 2, and a couple of prominent names factoring into the win for the Calgary Flames. You heard William Stromgren's name. You heard Adam Klapka's name. His is one that's been bounced around a lot and uh, a good finish to the tournament for Jaden Lipinski as well. A recent draft pick of the Calgary Flames at this most recent NHL draft in Nashville. So it's all said and done. Three games in the books. A 2-1 and one record for the Calgary Flames. How did they come out of it? I thought pretty well overall. I think they got better as the tournament went on. That's pretty easy considering how out of sync the group looked in their first game against Vancouver. That result well-deserved. They were well out of things in that game and didn't look nearly as good as they did in the last two games. Obviously, the names we were looking at going into this tournament, uh, the Matt Coronados, the Sam Honziks. I thought Coronado finished with a pretty strong tournament overall. I thought he got better. This is a tough tournament to judge in so many different ways. You've got guys coming from all different teams, different experiences. You've got guys that are just getting it, like Sam Honzik's playing his first, you know, game against some guys, against men in some cases. You've got guys like Jan Kuznetsov and Adam Klapka who have a year of pro hockey under their belt, and all these guys are asked to to jump in together and and suddenly sync up and look at their best. It's not always easy to do that. So I think overall, I think a guy like Matt Coronado would have liked to have shined a little bit more, I guess. But I think overall, I think you got to be very happy with what he provided uh, still so early on into his potential pro hockey career. Uh, I thought Adam Klapka, like I mentioned off the top, did a fantastic job putting himself in the spotlight, heading into Flames training camp and could easily follow the path of a youngster in the Flames organization coming into a, a bottom six role. I think of a Garnet Hathaway. I think of Ryan Lomberg. I think of even Walker Dewar recently as guys that have worked their way through the Flames system and could find themselves in a bottom six role. Klapka showed a lot of skill at this tournament that I'm not sure people knew. We thought we knew he had a really good high end, high energy motor. Obviously, he's got size at 6'7", 6'8". Uh, he's a massive presence out there on the ice, but he showed out a couple of times, especially in this last game against Winnipeg, that there's maybe even the potential to be a bit of a, a goal scorer, maybe a bit of an offensive uh, threat as well as his uh, progression continues. Lucas Siona, a fantastic tournament. That's a guy that Pat Steinberg's raved about since coming into the Flames organization as a guy that's mature above his years, physically was well above everybody else as far as guys in his age range. He takes this very, very seriously, and you could show, you could see that showing his game very quickly. I thought he played a very good tournament. Um, Hanzik, I think... I don't want to say that he struggled, but I, I didn't think he was as noticeable as you would have hoped. Now, again, this tournament will not determine everything about a player's fate. If it was just based off of this tournament, yes, Hanzik would absolutely be heading back to Vancouver for another year, and that still might be the case, but let's get into training camp. Let's get into uh, you know a little bit more of a regular schedule with, with playing time and get into a couple of preseason games. Uh, at the NHL level to really see where where Sam's head at is at and where his play is at at this point in his career. And I also think uh, Jan Kuznetsov, for me, last guy that I'll mention as a standard, I know Aaron Vickers mentioned him on Flamestock a little bit earlier. It was a very thin group 
with Jeremy Poirier out for the Calgary Flames. Uh, and I thought that Jan Kuznetsov showed off extremely well. I like his skating ability. He's very smooth. He's very calm in his own end. I think he's a good pairing guy that can let a guy like Nitin Moran do what he needs to do offensively, but at the same time isn't uh, a liability in any way, shape, or form in his own end or offensively either. He can be a part of the play. He can skate and be a part of the rush. So a couple of good standouts for the Calgary Flames. They finished the tournament off. Everybody's healthy and ready to go for main camp, and that's really the big thing here is, yes, it's an important stepping stone for these young guys. This is their chance to get ahead of training camp. I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't recommend that you listening or watching these games make up your mind about a player based on what we saw this weekend in Penticton. Let it you know, grow into training camp here. Let some of these guys hopefully use this as a springboard into a good training camp and perhaps more with the Calgary Flames. This is just a first step for a lot of these guys, and hopefully it leads to more. But the evaluation process really just beginning for the Calgary Flames as right around the corner, fitness testing, and then set to get on the ice under Ryan Huska, his first NHL training camp as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. The head coach for the Flames at this tournament in Penticton, Trent Call. He will be the Wranglers head coach this season, taking over for Mitch Love. He spoke post-game following the win in Penticton that put a wrap on the Flames games at the Young Stars Classic. It was good. I liked that uh, I thought our team got better every day. That was kind of the slogan going in. I thought they did that. I mean, 7-1 the first night. We're uh, a little bit slow, and uh, I thought we finished really well today. Yeah, uh, looking at that win, 4-2, a nice win under them. Did you just feel the team, I mean, you kind of talked about it yesterday, but settle in and really find their game? Yeah, I thought so. And it was nice to see, like, different. I thought Klapka had a good tournament uh, all over, but I thought the the, the kid line there, just with uh, Hanzik and Lipinski and... Uh, Stromer, I thought those guys had a good day and got a couple goals good on face-offs. And then I thought Etienne moved Bucks pretty well tonight with uh, Kuzi in the back end. And Murph had a good start and goal again for us, too. Yeah, and Yari getting his chance in net there as well. Were you impressed by him? Yeah, yeah, it was good. I thought overall it was just a good day for us. Awesome. And is this getting you excited for the season that's about to start? Yeah, this was I get, uh, it was a good tune-up for us as coaches. But uh, now I get to look forward to actually getting to the real hockey and, and seeing how we do. Just curious, the progression you've seen in Matt Coronado over the weekend. Small sample of games, but just curious your thoughts on his attention to detail. Yeah, no, I think it was good. I mean, you can see he's one of those guys that's on the power play. He gets some time and space. He's going to, you know, capitalize and make guys better around him. So, and, uh, you know, and that, I thought that uh, he was no different than what we were saying about the guys. Like, I thought he was better and better as the time wore on. There's going to be a little bit of a gap, small window between the end of this tournament and the start of Flames training camp. How should some of the players in this tournament that want to compete for a roster spot use this tournament as a springboard into main camp? Well, they get to blow the dust off, the rust off them right away and get in game-like situations. So we're going to have a practice with these guys tomorrow, then give them a day off before main camp starts. And I think that hopefully they've had a good uh, week slash almost like six days of getting themselves maybe a little ahead of the curve with the other guys since they haven't played that much. So hopefully that leads them into a good start of camp. Trent Call, Wranglers head coach and the head coach of the Calgary Flames at this weekend's tournament in Penticton like that answer at the end from Trent about what young guys can take into uh, main flames training camp there. They've got a head start on everybody else. Been skating together for a couple days. They've got some game experience. Use that to your advantage as you head into training camp with the Calgary Flames later this week. And one of the stars of today's game and a, a standout in the thing for a lot of people all tournament long. First chance to see Jaden Lipinski in flames gear. 
not likely to be on the Calgary Flames roster this year, but an intriguing draft pick from this most recent draft. He finished the tournament off strong for the Flames and spoke post-game as well from Penticton. Good, actually, correction. I don't think I got the last one. That was Hansi's, but they gave it to me. So uh, No, I was feeling good. It's easy playing with a guy like Hansi, and obviously uh, William had a good game as well, so they made it easy for me. What was going right for you today? Uh, I think we were all just kind of playing loose. Um, we took a step in the right direction against Edmonton, and I think it all just kind of came together today. All right, well, now that the tournament's kind of over, taking a look back at the weekend as a whole, are you feeling a little confident going into the season? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, hard for the first-year guys. You know, it's a faster game, but uh, as it goes on, it gets a little bit easier. So uh, definitely a lot of confidence. I know you're familiar with Sam, obviously, but your impression of William getting play on his line today? Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's a big guy. He likes to handle the puck, and he's very good at it. So I think a lot of similarities with uh, a lot of the prospects are bigger guys who can handle the puck, and he's really skilled. I know a lot of fans and us in the media will be interested to see Sam in main camp as well, and as a guy that knows him better than all of us, what are you curious to see as the camp gets ratcheted up against pro players? Yeah, I think uh, we're both going to be able to handle it. Uh, it's just a faster game, and, you know, if we take – the confidence that we gained here and just take it to training camp, I think we'll do good things. For you, what's important in those first few games, practices, skates, whenever when you're around the NHLers to, to really make an impact for yourself? I think just uh, playing with confidence, knowing you're there for a reason, doing what got you there, and uh, just moving your feet. I mean, it's just a faster game, but, uh, you know, like I said, with me and Hansi, I think we're both good players and we're going to be able to handle it. Jaden Lipinski finished the tournament off strong for the Calgary Flames, and we'll see what he can do as we shift to Calgary Flames training camp in just a few days' time. Before we get out of here, I wanted to share a part of this conversation that Pat had in Penticton with Flames General Manager Craig Conroy on this Monday. Good look at what to expect from Flames training camp coming up. Some questions about the roster as well, what he's seen from some of his players in Penticton as well. Full conversation can be heard on the Flames Talk podcast, but a really good conversation here between Pat and Craig Uh, that I wanted to bring you from a little bit earlier on this Monday as Craig Conroy dives into things ahead of his first training camp as the Flames GM. Here he is with Pat Steinberg a little bit earlier on this Monday. Connie, how we doing? Good, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Feel to feel like hockey's back, and I know it's been a busy and at times long off season, but to feel like hockey's back? It really does. I mean, I think it started with the golf tournament. When we get to the Flames golf tournament, all of a sudden – you feel like, okay, it's right around the corner. And then to have Penticton back in the rookie tournament, uh, it's a good feeling. It's good to be back. Do you feel ready for your first main camp as GM? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I was thinking back to when I started. Camp was like a month long. You know, now there's a few days of practice. And then you're and playing a preseason game. Preseason game, then splits, you know, then two, you know, two games the next day and, and, and you're full on and before you know it the season's starting so you know it's just you don't get as much time to kind of work your way in but the guys are in such good shape now they're they're ready to go and they, you know just, they don't need that whole month to do it does it feel any different for you like do you feel different does does camp feel different does this time of year feel different now that you're the gm as opposed to years in the past that's a good question. I don't think, you know, I don't know if it does. I think it's that same excitement I had as assistant GM. Uh, you know, you're just looking forward to seeing the guys. You want to see what kind of shape they came in. You want to see, you know, the one good thing, Ryan's going to, there's going to be different combinations. We got new new guys that are going to play with different guys, and some, some are going to be very similar. But we want to kind of give, you know, we've talked about giving the young guys a chance in, uh, in preseason games and see where they are. So, 
you know, it, it's nice when you think they might get more than one game, you know, because it's hard to do something in one game. Right. And you saw that in the first game, and I thought the guys got better the next game. So to, to give them a real opportunity, a real chance is, is kind of the, the focus going in. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, they rise to the challenge. So how hands-on are you in planning training camp, or do you leave that mostly to Ryan and his group? Uh, you no, know, we work with Ryan, especially training camp. Like, I mean, when the when the season gets going, he's going to pick the lineup. He's going to pick. He, he's good. He's been great. You know, we work together. How many games would you like to see this guy? What position? Who do you want to see with who? You know, obviously you want to see some of these young guys with NHL players at times in, in preseason games. In practice, I know because we don't have a lot, you know, you might see where Ryan's thinking the lines might go early, but uh, that could change. Right. But he's going to, in the games, you want to see different looks, different guys on power play. Uh, You know, looking at, talking to Mark Savard the other day, I mean, he's probably got seven or eight different power play groups. He's got the ones that he thinks will be the group, but he wants to see different players in different positions, and and that's what training camp's all about. Yeah. So is there anything specific that you want to see anything specific that you're like okay i i i really want that box to be checked at this year's camp uh, you know i i don't think there's one particular thing i think you're just what you want a competitive you know hard-working camp and you want you want to start seeing guys build chemistry as quick as they can chemistry is such a big part of the game you know and it doesn't you know even when i got to calgary you know i probably wasn't slotted play with jerome but it's weird how chemistry just worked with us right you know and it, it could work with someone else and you know when you look at backland and coleman and, and manji and you know they click they just do so you're, you're hoping to find that chemistry and i don't know if huberto found that last year at times it looked like he did but it didn't really just there's just scott pellerin and i just played really well together yeah. in st louis and we were together for like five years um and you're kind of hoping with some of these younger guys and different players and, you know, a Sharon Govich, where does he fit in the lineup? And that's a big question. I mean, he's going to have a great opportunity in camp, and, you know, we'll see how he does. It's one of those things where when you talk about chemistry, like, you can say, well, on paper, you're like, well, his skill set is definitely going to complement his, and I just take a look at what he does well, and, and then it doesn't work, right? <laughs> and, and then sometimes things that I don't know how many people would have thought when Lindholm got here that Lindholm and Johnny were going to be like two peas in a pod. It, it is a it is a really strange and not always scientific thing, hey? Yeah, you know, you you always think in your mind when you watch players who what styles go well with what player and when they get on the ice, some just don't mesh. Yeah. It, it happens. You know, so you, you know, that's the one thing for Ryan. He's got to kind of figure out, you know, who's going to be able to play with who and you know like we said i think those young guys are going to have to have an opportunity but again it's uh it's not easy the nhl is a hard league to make and and we don't want to rush him you know that's the other thing but a guy like say pelche he uh you know he he's proven everything he can in the american league he's done a good job in the NHL, but he still has to prove to us hey i'm, a, I'm an everyday nhl player and a guy like connor zari you know we'd like to see he had a great great year last year. Yep. Now let's see him and you know, so he's I would assume he's gonna get a lot of a lot of exhibition games and a real good chance to, to do it. I mean, he easily could have come here this year, but we felt like hey, we want to get his mindset ready for, for main camp and get going. Interesting, and I know you've talked a lot about not leaving spots open for young players by default, but 
having that opportunity so that there maybe is a spot that they could win in training camp. And you know, we've seen lots of PTOs announced around the league. Are, are we are we expecting any of those for your group between now and camp? You know, I mean, I think for us, we said we want these guys to play. You know, our mandate to the pro scouts will be watch the PTOs on other teams, watch guys that might go on waivers, watch players that might be available. And there's still, there's still players that are unsigned, you know. So as much as we say we want to give these guys an opportunity, <laughs> it's not we're going to give them. Right, you're not gifting it to them, no. right? No, and, and so, you know, the mandate to the, you know, like I said, all the scouts, we're really, when you go to these exhibition games, you track these guys that are on PTOs that might be on waivers, that might be, you know, free, and, and we'll be looking for guys that haven't signed yet. So those are the those are the areas we will be, but we'll also be able to see our guys actually play in games with NHL players Okay, figure it out. We uh, So your training camp roster set, is it good to go? Or could it, there's still Pretty, a couple things that you're looking at? You know, you you know, there's always you're talking agents and you're talking players, and, and but it really is about, you know, we kind of said we're going to do something, and and as right. much as it'd be easy to add a couple PTOs right now, yep, you know, I think we want to see these guys. We're going to give them the chance. The easy thing would be to add PTOs, but again, is that is that the model in my mind? Probably not. No. Craig Conroy, GM of the Calgary Flames, speaking with Pat Steinberg a little bit earlier on this Monday. You can find that entire chat on the Flames Talk podcast feed, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Highly recommend you check out that chat with uh, Craig Conroy in its entirety with Pat as we get set for Flames training camp to kick off, we expect, later this week. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side, switch our focus over to the NFL. Sunday slate finishing up on week two on Sunday and a doubleheader of Monday Night Football to look ahead to. Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca joins us next to break it all down as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Another week of NFL football just about in the books. Sunday slate of games finished up last night, and tonight a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Got the New Orleans Saints in Carolina taking on the Panthers. And a good divisional showdown between the Browns and the Steelers at 6-15. Looking forward to both of those. But as we take a look back on the Sunday that was in the NFL, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in for our new Monday regular on the program. One of our outstanding writers from Sportsnet.ca is going to join us every Monday to break down the Sunday slate in the NFL. Emily Sadler joins us this afternoon. Emily, thanks for doing this. How are you? Thanks so much, Logan. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm really good. It was another fun Sunday of NFL football. You've got your breakdown uh, up on Sportsnet.ca. Some of your week two takeaways. Did you enjoy another football-filled Sunday? Yeah, I really did. Week two is always fun because, you know, after sort of the chaos, that's always week one. And um, you kind of get to know the teams like a little bit better. Maybe, you know, there's still some feeling out process there. But yeah, I mean, it was it was, once again, I mean, the NFL just doesn't really disappoint when it comes to drama on the field. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> no, it certainly didn't. Uh, excited to hop around the NFL with you on Mondays. Uh, let's start with the uh, two teams that had their fair share of drama in week one. It was the Jets and the Cowboys, second New York-based team for the Cowboys to face off against. But, of course, all the thought process all week was how would the New York Jets respond after all week we talked about Aaron Rodgers' injury, would the Jets bring in a veteran quarterback to sort of 
ease the path for Zach Wilson? So far, they haven't, Emily. But did you see anything from Zach Wilson on Sunday that makes you believe the Jets are okay going forward the rest of the year with him at quarterback? Yeah, it seems, I mean, like as if the football gods weren't cruel enough to the Jets, you know, take away Aaron Rodgers, four snaps in, and then surprise, your first game post-Aaron Rodgers is against the Cowboys and that defense. <laughs> so it's, it makes it, you know, I think there are already obviously so many doubts about whether Zach Wilson has grown enough to be a true number one quarterback for a team that is as good as we believe the Jets to be. Um, but going up against Dallas, is, I mean, that's a test that I think right now maybe most quarterbacks might lose. And so it's, it's kind of it's hard to say, but at the same time, there wasn't really a lot that kind of gave me that confidence that he's sort of ready to take that next step. I mean, I think he threw three picks. Um, it was just it was just not the kind of composure that you want to see. But then again, when you look across the whole team, it wasn't the greatest performance by anyone on the Jets, yeah. um, including their defense. So it's one of those, I feel like this is like a non-answer, but <laughs> it's really hard to say when you go up against Dallas, because I think we're all learning after, I mean, yeah, only two weeks, but oh my gosh, that defense is so good. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I can't imagine it's fun for any quarterback, let alone a young quarterback to deal with exactly. Micah Parsons. And that guy was making a, a very strong case, as strong as I can remember two weeks into the season for a guy talking about defensive player of the year, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a monster out there. Like that's, that's the quarterback's worst nightmare. And I think especially for someone like Zach Wilson, who, you know, he went into the season thinking, okay, this is my season to learn. This is my time to learn under Aaron Rodgers, And then just to be thrown into that is not great. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be tough for anybody. And now the Cowboys, Look ahead to a week three matchup against the Arizona Coyotes, or Arizona Coyotes, excuse me. Did you watch hockey on my brain? Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me. Uh, so everybody. about the same level, though, right? Exactly. So. Yeah, so not far off, really. May as well be. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll see uh, probably another strong outing from the Cowboys uh, when they head into to week three. Uh, a couple of interesting 0-2 teams I wanted to talk to you about, including the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals, who... Look, tough start to the season any year when you've got two divisional games. That one in Cleveland was totally rained out. It's hard to operate like that. But there's got to be some legitimate worries after an 0-2 start and Joe Burrow limping around the way he did, knowing he took that injury in training camp. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know that, you know, everyone, the chatter around the Bengals right now is 0-2. But, hey, they've been here before, right? They started 0-2 last season as well look where they ended up in the AFC championship again. But this time, like it's 0-2 with two divisional losses. And I think when you're looking at the AFC North, it's always really strong. But I think especially this year, like when you've got the Ravens who are as strong as they are, the Browns, I mean, I think we'll learn more tonight about whether or not that defense is as good as we think maybe it is. Yeah. But it's a really hard uh hold to climb yourself out of when it's two divisional losses and then of course you know not knowing as the extent of this calf injury uh, what I do know is that's always a tricky injury I feel like that's referenced often where it's like you know it's not a broken bone it's not something that it's either healed or it's it's not it's a calf that you can really tweak easily and so I definitely think there's cause for concern and they just kind of have looked disjointed altogether and so I I feel like people are maybe afraid to you know doubt Joe Burrow and and rightly so he's done amazing things on the football field but 
I'm I'm a little worried for them personally. Yeah, it just feels like one of those things where it's like, yeah, you have come back from being 0-2 before in a season, but if you had the option, I feel like being 2-0 would rather be how you'd rather have started the season. Not to, yeah, You just don't want to play with fire better. every year, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, just sort of, you know, almost purposely putting yourself behind the eight ball there. It's, it's not the best. And then I think especially, like, yeah, I referenced, you know, obviously how strong the division is. But, I mean, broaden the scope there and just look at the AFC as a whole, right? And, yeah. and like, there's really no room for error so it, it's it's tricky. I mean, obviously, everyone will be kind of waiting to see, okay, what about his calf um, heading into next week's game? But I think, you know, lose another and you're in trouble, right? Yeah. Not many teams uh, make a lot of noise after an 0-3 start. And that health yeah. for Joe Burrow is going to be a big worry going forward. Another 0-2 team that almost got in the win column late uh, in the afternoon slate last night, the Denver Broncos pushed the Ooh. Washington Commanders. Can't get a two-point conversion to finish it off and tie the game up, but Russell Wilson starting to look like he's feeling it with Sean Payton a bit. Did you get some signs of at least hope if you're a Broncos fan, despite being 0-2 to start the year now? Yeah, I think so. And I I think also like just to sort of zero in on that final drive, right? It almost felt like that encapsulated maybe the Russell Wilson experience right now is sort of that in between, like, you know, you get that hail Mary, he's playing backyard football and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And like, just against all odds, they catch it. And then, but then you can't quite get all the way and get that two point conversion. And I think, you know, that game was, was definitely an interesting kind of case study and maybe what these Broncos could be. We heard Sean Payton make a few comments about, I think he called it sort of a tale of two halves or a tale of two games with within that one game because, you know, they come out really strong in the first half. and the second half, just things kind of fell apart. There were, I think, maybe some signs of, you know, not great communication from Wilson. And, and so I think it'll maybe continue to be kind of a learning curve. But, I mean, personally, the fact that they had that really strong half and the fact that they had that surge at the very end that should give you a little bit of confidence, at least that, you know, these are going to be at least fun games to watch again. <laughs> yeah, last year there wasn't a whole lot of that for Denver, period. They just weren't fun at all. And at least this year you can at least start to see some of the improvements. I mean, look, I think yeah. Sean Sean Payton's mentioned Nathaniel Hackett's teams was last year not being great enough for Denver yeah. fans. So, But, yeah, I can totally understand why a Broncos fan might look at this and say, yeah, not great, but man, we sure look a lot better than we did last year. Absolutely. And then I think also just doing them maybe a few favors or when you look at the rest of the division, um, they've all got at least one loss. And so there's not, you know, we know the Chiefs are going to run away with it, (laughs) but you know, at least it's, you know, not like the AFC North where you're dealing with, Oh man, we're, we're down two games. It's impossible to catch up. Like they're still very much in the mix. So if, if they can make a few good strides in the next couple of weeks, I think maybe they make things interesting. Uh, Speaking of that division, the other 0-2 team, the L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert and company, fallen OT to the Tennessee Titans. And it seems like the heat's being turned up on Brandon Staley, who was kind of crafted as this defensive guy coming over from the Rams. And unfortunately for the Chargers, his tenure has been nothing but uh, disastrous when it comes to the defense. It just feels like Justin Herbert can't outscore their problems on defense right now. And that's not good news because Justin Herbert's still playing pretty well. 
He really is. And I've personally been really excited to see what happens when you mix Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore. And, you know, we saw last week against Miami. I mean, that game was so much fun if you love offensive football and who doesn't love offensive football. But, of course, you need defense to step in and say, hey, we'll take this one. Um, And we haven't seen that yet from the Chargers. And, and. I think that there's reason to be frustrated there. I mean, I, I realize that in, you know, in this game against Tennessee, you really can't overstate the loss of Austin Eckler there. Um, and maybe we do underestimate the, the strength of the Titans defense, but yeah, I think there's certainly concerns about the state of the defense in LA. And I know for me personally, I have sort of fallen into that, like, Oh, but Brandon Staley, he's this, uh, defensive genius and at what point maybe do you have to kind of acknowledge uh, maybe things aren't working <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of if they can turn things around or yeah it's it's certainly it's not the greatest of, of season starts there <laughs> yeah it's been frustrating for sure and you got to wonder too you mentioned it feels like that's always the Chiefs division to lose with Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. but an, another 0-2 start you just you're, you're behind the eight ball to start things off it's never a a good way to start your seasons and for the chargers who have so much invested with guys like Bosa and Mac and Derwin James, you'd expect more from them, but they just haven't been able to provide anything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like that, that strong defensive line has just been, I mean, they have been very strong and and especially if they can stay healthy, like that's a strength, but it's just the rest of the defense. They're just allowing far too many points. And, and as you mentioned off the top here, like, Justin Herbert, the man can score a lot of points, but you can also only do so much. And when you score that many points and you still can't get the win, um, it's got to be discouraging. Emily Sadler's along with us, writer for sportsnet.ca, covering the NFL Sunday on week two. Uh, you wrote about it on your takeaways on sportsnet.ca. Bills bounce back in a big way, and I feel like they needed that, Emily, after a lot yeah. of worry about Josh Allen in that first week, and I get it. It wasn't his best performance, but sure looked a lot more like the Josh Allen that we're used to seeing in that win over the uh, the Raiders. Yeah, he absolutely did. I thought it was kind of interesting, um, just the talk around the Bills, that, um, you know, we kind of, in week one, you give a lot of teams a mulligan, right? I mean, look at the Bengals, who we yeah. talked about, like, their week one performance was awful and yet we sort of said "Eh, that was raining or you know it's week one week one's a liar but with the bills everyone it was just sort of open season on josh allen's performance and of course yes it was a very messy performance three interceptions i think what we saw this week was the josh allen that we all know and love right like you want to see him do what we know he can do because he is that sort of kind of boom or bust for lack of a better term quarterback like he's so thrilling to watch but you know with that comes those um maybe a few less than ideal situations where he kind of takes the play to somewhere where you know what it's just not going to work um I think I think in this case as much as um yeah like seeing seeing Allen bounce back was obviously the the top story I think also in there though is the performance of the Bills defense especially against the run which was a problem against the Jets last week this week they limited Vegas to I think it was like about 55 yards on the ground and so there were there were I think it was truly like this 
team effort where like, yes, led by Josh Allen, but you saw the whole team kind of realize, okay, we can't let that happen again. <laughs> what happened against the Jets? We have to come together and, and fix this. And so I think maybe there will be like a couple more, you know, uh, Josh Allen-isms where like maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. things, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that is just kind of an automatic when you have a player as, yes, dynamic, but also who takes as many risks as he does. For sure. But I think this was a great sign. Uh, and last but not least, I mean, we got a doubleheader on Monday Night Football, two divisional matchups. We kind of talked a bit uh, about the Browns and the Steelers in, in a sense as to what happened in week one with their opponents. But uh, I'm curious, what do you take away from the Saints and the Panthers in this divisional showdown as Derek Carr continues his New Orleans career? And it's a young start for, for Bryce Young in the spotlight on Monday night. Yeah, it's, it'll certainly be an interesting matchup. I think I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm still kind of getting used to Derek Carr. being on the Yes, Saints. me too. That was one of those ones that this off season, I, ha- I kind of had to keep reminding myself, Derek <laughs> yeah. Carr, he's a saint now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was personally, I mean, I was impressed with his performance in week one. Um, I can't really say the same for the Panthers. I think it's going to be a bit of a messy season in Carolina. Um, but definitely, I mean, that's what you kind of expect when you have a rookie quarterback. Uh, and this, yeah, this definitely is a division that is going to be, you know, going to be up for grabs. Um, I think this is going to be a Saints win. I, I don't know if it'll be that close of a game, but yeah. one can hope, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, we got, at least we got two tonight, so hopefully one of them turns out exactly. good on, on Monday Night Football. Emily, thanks exactly. for the time. Uh, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I'm looking forward to doing this on Mondays. Enjoy the games tonight. We'll chat with you again next week, hey? Thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. Take care. Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, one of our outstanding writers at sportsnet.ca. You can check out her week two NFL takeaways at sportsnet.ca. You can find her on Twitter at Emmy Sadler. She's going to join us every Monday here on Sportsnet today for the NFL season. Doing exactly what we just did, breaking down Another Sunday of NFL football. I'm looking ahead to the Monday Nighters. Usually just one to talk about on uh, Monday night, but we got two this week. Saints and Panthers kick things off 515. Saints favored by a field goal right now on the road in Carolina. They're 1 0. Panthers are 0 1. Then at 615, you get the Browns and the Steelers. Browns 1 0 after that rainy day. Victory last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Steelers 0-1. They've got some explaining to do, hopefully in week two, after a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers last week to start the season. Should be a great divisional matchup. Looking forward to both of these tonight. We'll break them down uh, tomorrow on the program on Sportsnet today as well. Sunday was just full. We got to a bunch of different things there with, with Emily, but there was still a bunch. Seahawks, big win in OT for them. Falcons. Somehow pick up a win against the Packers. Jordan Love fumbling it away at the end for the uh, for the Packers, despite a pretty good performance, throwing three more touchdowns in his second career start as the guy in Green Bay. That was a little bit disappointing. He had the Rams falling to the 49ers in that Sunday nighter. Dolphins 2-0 to lead the AFC East with a 24-17 win over the New England Patriots who fall to 0-2. And how about Tua? I'm not sold yet on two. I think he's he's making great progress. I think there's a chance for him to be a great quarterback going forward in the league. I want to see just a little bit more. The health is the big concern for me right now, but the guy's 5-0 and against the New England Patriots. And look, New England tried to sort of 
they tried to play small ball because they don't really have any of those big time weapons for Mac Jones to go out and use. And it's so hard to win football games like that when the team across from you has so many high end weapons. Tyreek Hill, they tried their best to to keep him in check. He still wound up with a touchdown on nine targets. Jalen Waddle was dangerous at times. It's just you're going to have to do a lot better defensively. And the Patriots did some good things. Christian Gonzalez, their first-round pick, played phenomenally in coverage against some of those great Dolphins wide receivers. But it's just going to be tough for this New England team to score a lot of points. They just don't have a whole lot of of offensive weapons. Hunter Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, and Zeke are okay as a running back duo. But, I, I mean, Kendrick Bourne is your number one receiver question mark in New England that's that's going to be really tough to get it done especially in that division maybe the Jets fall back to to their level if you're the Patriots but right now the Bills and the Dolphins to me feel like they're going to be the ones fighting it out for this AFC East after an 0-2 start for the Patriots and we know we talked about the Aaron Rodgers situation with the New York Jets. So we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side in a couple moments. The big NHL news from this weekend, the conclusion of the Mike Babcock era in Columbus. It ends before it really ever began. Not a practice, not a game as a head coach, and Mike Babcock has resigned. What's next for the Columbus Blue Jackets? Who takes the fall for what happened in Columbus? And can this team bounce back? Is Yarmo Kekalainen now in the crosshairs going forward in Columbus? Craig Murders from NHL.com, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, will join us to kick off Hour 2. We're tatting Columbus Blue Jackets hockey around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.